0: Um, We are going to be talking about how to unlock the power of your subconscious and reduce stress, get better sleep. We're going to talk about how you can start falling asleep faster, reduce maybe some of the fears and anxieties of what's going on in your world currently and a lot of our worlds right now. Uh, how to quiet your mind how to get deep restorative sleep and hopefully wake up refreshed and feeling a little bit more energized you know it is proven that both sleep and reduction of stress can help improve your concentration your productivity your overall happiness and even your immune function which i think we all need right now so we're going to demystify a lot of meditation and i'm really excited because i've never done anything like this before uh, in bringing a family member on this person is one of my first meditation and mindfulness coaches Uh, and that is my dad. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him in just a moment here, but uh, a little bit of background for me. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about mindfulness is uh, that both of my parents have always encouraged um, really being in touch with my emotions, being able to sit still uh, with my emotions, pay attention to what's going on. My mom is a mental health counselor, and my dad is, as I will tell you here in a minute, a licensed hypnotist. Not only is he a licensed hypnotist, and that is what he is doing almost as his uh, early retirement career, and has been doing it for years here, but has experience running businesses, has experience um, even uh, getting his master's in education. So he has a lot of background in understanding how to teach some of these principles. Um, So John Hunkler, my dad, was introduced to transcendental meditation, zen, and hypnosis back in the 1970s. Um, but didn't really become a hypnotist until almost a a decade ago in 2011. He holds master's degrees from the University of North Dakota and Notre Dame in education and business and worked for 18 months in a very busy practice in Indianapolis, Indiana before opening his own practice. He's hosted thousands of sessions uh, helping people quit smoking, lose weight, clearing uncontrollable fears and, and maybe unreasonable fears Uh, and getting better sleep, reducing stress, which again, is is what we're gonna be talking about today. Uh, Please help me welcome my dad, John Hunkler. Dad, thanks for being here.
1: Uh, Thank you, Matt, for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely, I'm really excited to talk about this. And again, if if people have questions, please use the Q&A function uh, down below. But I I, uh, am running this show, so I get to steal the first few questions, and I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Um, I want to, Dad, maybe to um, talk a little bit about how you first got introduced to meditation and mindfulness. Do you have any early first memories of what your exposure to meditation was?
1: Well, I didn't know that it was meditation, but I realized that later as I was exposed to Zen and other uh, Eastern meditations that use mantras or not, Uh, Zen normally does not use a mantra. But that uh, in my childhood, I was taught, because I was raised Catholic, I was taught to pray the rosary, which is a type of mantra meditation that repeats about a six-second prayer, the Hail Mary, 50 times in the Course of saying the rosary once. And during that, you're to focus for each 10 Hail Marys, each decade of the rosary, you focus on one of the mysteries of the faith. And that is a kind of... uh, mindfulness uh, focused mindfulness using an audible uh, and actually spoken mantra or prayer
0: why why are mantras uh, or prayers and and a mantra as i understand it doesn't necessarily even have to have a religious affiliation
1: no not at all
0: can you talk a little bit about the power of using a mantra in meditation
1: sure it's it's a way of calming the mind and helping it become I speak of it as a blue sky, that if you can think of your mind as a blue sky, and then thoughts come and go like clouds, like white fluffy clouds moving across the blue sky of your mind. And you wouldn't try to hurry a cloud on its way and you wouldn't try to stop it or, or hold it in its path. You simply let it come and let it go. If you treat your thoughts this way, then they don't um, become obsessions. They don't become uh, triggers for any negative thoughts or anxieties. You see them come and you let them go. And that's part of the effect of a mantra. Of course, stilling the body is an important part of it as well.
0: Well, and you had quite a bit of practice with that, as I understand it, uh, maybe a, a few years of Catholic school growing up.
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I even went to a Catholic university, Catholic high school, Catholic university. Um, So I was pretty well steeped in that. But
0: I I know for your undergrad at Notre Dame, you studied uh, Japanese and that took you over to Japan and uh, exposed you to Zen for the first time. Do you remember what that experience was like?
1: Yes, uh, we visited a Zen temple and actually spent a few days there. And there were some Americans A couple of young Americans, a man and a woman who were staying at the temple and learning Zen Buddhism so they could teach us in our own language what was going on and what their experience was. That was the first time that I heard the expression monkey mind, which is what we notice when we pay any attention to what goes on in our minds when we're trying to quiet down, uh, is that our mind continues to go from thought to thought to thought. To thought to thought like a monkey.
0: <laughs> is that necessarily bad? Um, how, how can you find ways to just, maybe... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you answer the, the first it's question. Just,
1: it's just what it is. It's just what it is. We do have monkey minds and um, if we slow down a bit, we can begin to see it as the mind is the blue sky and the thoughts are clouds that come and go. And it's okay. That um, we can. It takes a long time. Zen takes a really long time, and then it happens in an instant. And um, we, you know, uh, John Stewart used to end his program with a moment of Zen. Our local, uh, our local newscast is now ending with a moment of Zen, and, and it's merely uh, they are doing it with pictures of nature, and a calming. Uh, background music. Moments of Zen, moments of Zen usually come unbidden, not at uh, not at the end of a half an hour uh, with visuals.
0: Well, I I want to tell you about my first couple uh, of experiences trying to meditate. Um, While I do that, I forgot to tell you to silence your phone, Dad. So if you want to silence your phone.
1: uh, My
0: my first uh, my first experience with meditation, um, I, I did it a lot, I think, when I was a kid, uh, and and certainly there are a lot of meditative experiences from shooting free throws to practicing skateboard tricks to practicing magic tricks, which was something I did uh, as a kid that was, was a very meditative experience and in some ways acted as, as a mantra. But I remember as an adult in my busiest years uh, post-graduation, really getting... Uh, mad at myself and a lot of uh, self-judgment and self-doubt that I wasn't doing, doing meditation right, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine that's something that you run into sometimes with your clients. How do you coach them through that sort of self, self-deprecation that um, can be so prevalent?
1: Well, different ways. Relaxed and focused is what you want to be in meditation, and that's actually a good uh, description of what hypnosis is. Relaxed and focused, relaxed and focused. The focus can be auditory with a mantra. It can be visual with an icon, which is used in Eastern Orthodox uh, Christian religions, focusing on an icon, on a religious icon. auditory, visual. But a lot of these things we, in the West, like to cut out for our meditation. And then we're left with other senses, um, our bodies. And Eckhart Tolle focuses on this, breathing. If we focus on our breathing and focus on the sensations of our bodies, uh, it's, it's also a good way to relax and focus noticing our sense of touch, uh, smell, even taste, focusing on different parts of the body as a way to simply relax, relax and focus.
0: You mentioned the uh, mantra as a way to kind of relax into that. And I know a lot of times, mantras are are sometimes words that aren't even real words or they're Sanskrit words. So you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. know the meaning
1: it's not necessary to know the meaning, right.
0: Um, can you talk a little bit about the power of, of language and how that connects to this concept of uh, meditation, mindfulness, and being more intentional with your thoughts?
1: I, I I love to talk about language and how powerful it is, but I'm going to move over away from, a little bit away from meditation and talk about our daily language because... Uh, we live out of habit. We live more out of habit than out of intention than we want to admit. And it's a great deal of our lives are lived out of habit. The habits were formed early and they can be reformed. They can be um, changed. But we hold them at the very deep level, at the subconscious level. We don't quite know why we do a lot of the things that we do. If they serve us, we just keep on doing them. If they don't serve us, sometimes it's difficult to, uh, to change those habits. We hold them at the deep level and our language either supports them, which it normally does when we're not paying attention to our language, or uh, language can be used to shift habits that we want to shift. So I work with smokers who want to quit smoking. And the first thing I tell them is, begin to talk about it in the past tense. Talk about how you have smoked in the past, when it started, how long you've smoked, and so on, but speak of it in past tense. Similarly, an important thing for them to remember is that when they become free of tobacco, they should refer to themselves as former smokers, not non-smokers. They'll never quite be non-smokers the way, a, the way an eight-year-old is a non-smoker. They can return to that freedom, but they need to speak of it in terms of being a former smoker so that they know that for them, half a cigarette means they're going to the convenience store and buying them by the pack or by the carton again. And, and it's just that simple. That is a powerful addictive habit, and it can revive itself very quickly with a little tickle. So they need to use language to keep that little tickle from happening and refer to themselves as a former smoker which reminds them uh, of that. One other example of language, well actually a couple of other examples that I thought of, um, this language around our social isolation. Uh, Early on people were talking about being cooped up. I heard it on the news all the time, how terrible it is that people are cooped up and confined. that language doesn't help at all. (laughs) Speaking of it as being cooped up, um, there are other words to use. Uh, It can be considered a retreat, Uh, it can be considered um, a vacation or a staycation, and those words have a lot less negative impact on our sense of what's going on in our lives. So language is really important. One other example is when I went into an MRI machine And I was completely surrounded. In fact, I had my head pinned uh, and was told what was going to happen inside the machine. And the last thing he did before he put me in the machine was handed me a button. And he said, here, this is your panic button. Oh, thanks very much. That was a (laughs) wonderful send off. Uh, Terrible use of language. It should have at at best been an abort button Use only in dire circumstance. Uh, use only as a last resort. Okay, but calling it a panic button suggests exactly what I didn't want. Yeah, I made it through. I did a lot of so I did a lot of meditation in that tube.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. I, I really like that reframe of of talking about our, our experience right now that we're in instead of being cooped up instead of. Um, being on house arrest or any of the other phrases that uh, you hear people referring to uh, this lockdown. And Mm -hmm. and it's really more of a, uh, we're all opting into it, right? Uh, We're all opting into this collective experience to try to help flatten the curve. And if you're listening, I hope you're helping flatten the curve and listening to this at home. I really like that reframe. And uh, I think introducing that over the last few weeks, I've noticed just the benefit of finding more opportunities in this time that I'm at home, Mm -hmm. not only to meditate, but to do other things that I've always wanted to do, like play my guitar more or um, spend more time with my fiance, with Mm -hmm. Allie. And um, I really, I really like that reframe. And it, it can be very challenging sometimes too. As an extrovert, uh, it's hard, it's hard to be without that human connection, uh, face to face.
1: Even if you know what you're doing in, in converting the language over, even though you're conscious of doing it, it's important because your subconscious is always listening and your subconscious is, is more primitive and less, um, thoughtful about the kinds of things that you're feeding it. So again, another example, I tell my clients, drop the word try. I know other people have heard this. Drop the word try in your language because when you say, I'm trying to quit smoking or I'm trying to quit biting my fingernails or I'm trying to uh, study more hours in the day, what your subconscious hears is that you're trying and you've already succeeded then at trying. It doesn't have to offer any support to what you've set as your goal, because you're setting your goal as trying, and you've already succeeded at trying. But what you want to succeed at is the thing that you're targeting. The more, you know, a few more hours of study, um, relaxing, whatever it is. Forget about trying, and either do it or do not. I think Yoda said something like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's pretty wise. I think he's a few hundred years old, so. A, a good one to quote. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit more about that sort of um, mind-body connection? Because it it seems to me sort of that's what you're describing is uh, Mm. by physically changing the way we talk, um, which has the benefit of that being a physical act, but also um, delivering the message, a a different message, and reframing the message by the way you talk about it, but that there also might be some mind-body connection happening there, too. Is there a compounding effect with that?
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, when I introduce it, one of the first things I say to new clients is we are mind-body. You are mind-body. And the idea of uh, calling it a mind-body connection is really just too many words. It's two sides of the same coin. We access our minds through our bodies. We access our bodies through our minds. We are mind-body. And so we, being aware of that we use both angles, we use both aspects. Um, relaxing physically affects our minds, we know that. Relaxing our mind and using the proper language helps reduce the stress in our bodies and our minds. And we can feel it in both places.
0: Are there ways that people can use their body to shift how they feel and how they think? Uh, because I know there are some patterns, uh, personally, that I have in situations like this that can be stirred up by the, what might seem like or feel like chaos or crisis that we're in. Um, and I, I don't know why I might get that idea uh, reading through all the headlines of the media uh, right now. But, um, you know, if you just read the headlines, you might think you're in crisis. Are there things that we can do <laughs> with our bodies to shift how we feel?
1: Absolutely. Um, Amy Cuddy did some research uh, out, of, uh, out of Harvard on power poses, high power poses and low power poses. And just a simple explanation of it is that uh, when you have an open body position, uh, some extreme examples are Mick Jagger on stage, uh, Oprah Winfrey or Lee Iacocca at the desk. These are high power poses. A simple high power pose that anybody can do is uh, Superman or Wonder Woman, standing with your feet apart, standing, hands on your hips, shoulders back, head up, and standing like that for two minutes reduces your stress. It reduces your cortisol, which lowers your stress. Oh, great pictures. Reduces your cortisol, it raises your testosterone. Even for women, your testosterone rises You feel stronger, not enough to develop male pattern baldness, but you're going to bring up energy while reducing stress. It's the way to go into a job review or a job interview, energized yet relaxed. It's a great way to do a presentation or to do anything with yourself or other people. Relaxed and energized is the way you want to come to life and to life's challenges. Standing like this for two minutes And then I add an affirmation that I borrowed from Tony Robbins, all I need is within me now. All I need is within me now. If you simply repeat that as a mantra, all I need is within me now, then you know it's a matter of accessing it and you're actually accessing it as you stand or sit in a high power pose, relaxing and yet bringing energy to whatever is next, whatever is now and whatever is next.
0: Well, I know there's a, a lot of research that uh, backs this up, and it's definitely something that I've used even just before I get on stage at a speaking event, mm-hmm. uh, or if I'm feeling like I'm in a negative pattern or a low energy pattern, um, getting into this goofy pose, uh, ideally in private, but you know, if anyone ever walks by me in my office and I'm just gazing into the corner, you'll, you'll know why. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I, I think this example is, is awesome because it is so simple, but the, the fact that it is so connected to your thoughts and your feelings, um, and it's not just your thoughts and feelings that change how you move physiologically, but it, it works both
1: ways. That's right, because we are mind-body. So that even crossing your legs will raise your um, blood pressure, uh, which is you want to not do in the doctor's office, if you want your blood pressure to, to show up at its best, don't cross your legs. And they will tell you that if they're aware.
0: Yeah, and blood pressure is not the best even if you're not in the doctor's office.
1: High blood pressure is not good.
0: Right, yes, blood, some blood pressure is good, <laughs>
1: good
0: point. Um, there, I know there are some other things uh, that you've talked about before, Dad, uh, just in terms of how to shift how you feel and think. Um, One of those being uh, the breath, Um, and and I want to talk about that maybe in a minute, but you've also talked about just in general how to even change the way you move your, something as little as eye movement can have a big impact on how you think or feel. Do you mind talking a little bit about that?
1: Yes, um, neurolinguistics and the neurolinguistic research and practitioners back from the 70s and through to today have discovered lots of connections between mind and body. Uh, working with, uh, well, things showing up in the body that are mental and similarly uh, using your body to shift how your brain is working, how your mind is working. One of the most valuable ones I found and a quick way to shift how you feel is looking up and holding your gaze up. Uh, not lifting your chin, but just lifting your eyes and um, pretending you could look through your own eyebrows, just taking your eyes up as far as they can possibly go. Again, this was discovered and has been used since the 70s. Neurolinguistics, uh, rather neuroscience, doesn't yet understand why it works, but that's okay. It works. I don't understand how the internet works, but I use it anyway. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The um, Lifting your gaze and looking up shifts your your mind. If you think about a hurt from the past, just as an experience for this, an experiment, self-experiment, think about someone who hurt you, uh, betrayed your trust somewhere along the line, and think of them looking down at a desktop or at the floor and feel how it feels and the negative charge around that old offense And then look up and hold your gaze up and think of the same person and the same thing that they did or failed to do. And you'll notice that you can remember it, obviously, but that the negative charge on it falls away as you're looking up and holding your gaze up. Um, It's a wonderfully powerful thing. And while it was discovered in the 70s, it was actually discovered back in the early 40s by a young actress named Lauren Bacall, who, married Humphrey Bogart and acted with Humphrey Bogart quite often. She went into her very, first, uh, her very first acting scenes in the movies, physically shaking like a leaf. And what she discovered was that if she would drop her chin and raise her eyes and make eye contact that way, that she would stop shaking. It became the Lauren Bacall look and uh, it became her trademark. But for her, it was actually a very practical thing. In those early days of acting, she dropped the shakes and became a very famous actress.
0: And if you're uh, tuning in on the video live stream, you'll be able to see this, uh, this image that we've got pulled up here. But uh, if you're listening in retrospect, maybe on the podcast, or have it pulled up in another window, we'll make sure we link this up in the show notes for you as well, uh, as well as the power pose. Um, Dad, I'd love to shift to some uh, guest Q&A here, Uh, but first want to let people know, one, um, we are going to end this session with a uh, totally optional uh, five-minute relaxation meditation that uh, my dad uh, will lead. This will be something uh, hopefully that can de-stress, help you reset in your day before we go back and on our way into our our normal lives, Uh, but hopefully give a, a sense of some of the things that we're talking about here in terms of reducing uh, and relieving stress. But I, I wanted to make sure, before we dive into audience Q&A, that I remind you, you can click the Q&A button down at the bottom if you're tuning in here on Zoom, uh, or if you're on YouTube, you can drop a question in the comments there, and uh, and we'll shift to those here in just a moment. But before we do, um, then I wanted to talk a little bit about how you ended up transitioning from some of these things that you learned in, in terms of neurolinguistics in terms of meditation and mindfulness to getting exposed to hypnosis what was your first earliest understanding of of hypnosis and what were some of your um feelings about it at that time
1: well it's interesting because i took a, about a 40 year hiatus from uh, hypnosis between my mid 20s and and mid 60s um I had 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 an experience with a hypnotist who actually came to a graduate class that I was teaching at the University of North Dakota uh, that I had titled Other Ways of Knowing. I was having coffee with him, and he said, well, you should definitely include hypnosis as another way of knowing. And so he led about three sessions in, in my class, group sessions for us, and uh, the third one, I was listening to Bach while after being relaxed into a hypnotic or guided meditation. And I wasn't using earphones or anything. It was just a turntable and, and speakers. And um, Bach was, I could feel Bach from my head to my toes. It was quite an experience, a very memorable experience. Then... I met a hypnotist in my 60s and he's the one who uh introduced me to the to the idea that i could be a hypnotist and and uh i was well prepared for it
0: (laughs) that's really cool i feel like most people's first introduction to hypnosis is like the looney tunes swirling eyes or uh some of the the movies a lot of times tend to be scary movies where people get hypnotized and uh, they do things against their will, or sure. they end up getting interrupted halfway through hypnosis, and now you know they 're permanently rewired the wrong way um lots of lots of opportunity for good plot uh good plot twists and good good uh plot roadmap but did you have any of those sort of uh preconceptions or even hesitations with respect to hypnosis
1: you know i didn't in the way that it was introduced to me but but uh In my upbringing, I was taught that the Catholic Church did not uh, approve of hypnosis, did not uh, want you to participate in any kind of stage hypnosis or anything like that because you'd be giving up your free will to another person. Uh, That is not what hypnosis is about. Uh, I do think that um, there are dangerous people out there. who would like to uh, have you do whatever they want you to do, but I don't think that uh, hypnosis is usually the, the, the way that they want to uh, accomplish that. They would do it through repeated propaganda instead. Um, you retain your free will in hypnosis if you haven't given it up somewhere else. You have free will and uh, the hypnotist doesn't take that. And a good hypnotist doesn't um, do anything but what you want them to do in terms of shifting an attitude or behavior uh, or even relieving um, a a dis-ease or unease with something in your life. And that's that's what I learned. And and in fact, the Catholic Church has no stance for or against hypnosis, uh, I've recently learned. And um, I didn't have any trepidation because of the people that I was experiencing it with. And my trust in them.
0: And uh, hypnosis can sound like this kind of magical thing. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what hypnosis is? And have I been hypnotized, even if I haven't had someone with a pocket watch, you know, (laughs) swinging in front of my my face?
1: Sure. Yeah, we go into hypnosis every day. Uh, Children go in, uh, children often live in a sort of hypnotic, in and out of a hypnotic uh, trance mild trance because they live more from their subconscious than we finally do as an as adults but our subconscious is still there and um we go in and out of hypnosis as well daydreaming uh highway hypnosis where you uh miss your exit and you know it was because you were thinking about that conversation you were going to have with someone and you weren't paying attention Particularly to the road, your subconscious was doing the driving, but it wasn't paying attention to which exit you needed to get off on. Um, Similarly, and a good example, uh, is when we go to the movies. When you go to the movies, you naturally go into a state of eyes-open hypnosis. You relax and focus, and that's the basis of meditation, and that's the basis of hypnosis. In the movie, you give yourself over to the movie maker because you came not to be a critic, but to be entertained, to be carried away uh, to a place uh, and a time that's different from yours. And in that, you forget, you mean to forget, and you do easily forget that those are actors, that it's CGI, and it all becomes very real for you, temporarily real, suspending judgment about it. And in that, it can move you to be startled and actually jump in your seat. Uh, Even previews can do that for me. (laughs) I don't go to scary movies. Um, If you care about the, not the actor, if you care about the character, you can be moved to laughter or cheers uh, while sitting in that theater seat, watching lights on the wall and hearing sounds coming through speakers. That's a level of hypnosis that everybody understands, unless they never go to the movies.
0: And when you talk about a hypnosis uh, practice or a hypnosis session, I've heard you refer to it as meditation with a mission. Can you tell me a little bit what you mean by that?
1: Sure. People ask me, what's the difference between meditation and hypnosis? And it's, it's practically that simple. Lots of meditation is hypnotic. Um, lots of hypnosis sessions start with a guided meditation. But meditation with a mission because clients come to me because they want to quit smoking or they want to eat better or um, give up some other fear or doubt or uh, habit that they have. And so the mission that I'm on is to help them with language and suggestion and visualization of themselves living more and more easily and more and more often the way they want to live, the way they've decided consciously that they want to live. But we're speaking to the subconscious mind in hypnosis and getting the subconscious mind on board with this new chosen direction so that it becomes incorporated into their behavior and life. That's the mission.
0: That's great. That's really helpful. And uh, we'll get a chance to practice uh, a guided meditation here at the end, maybe not a full uh, hypnotic, hypnotic trance in, in the five minutes. That'll be totally optional if, uh, if you're still listening, um, just to get an idea of what a guided meditation uh, might feel like. But first, I want to dive into some, some audience Q&A. Did you have something you wanted to add, Dan?
1: Just that another way to experience that is that I, for this, I put together a 15-minute relaxing into sleep um, guided meditation something that you can use to relax your mind and body into a good night's sleep because a good night's sleep is going to help you in your waking hours uh, definitely be more creative be a better problem solver reduce the stress the daily stress in your life if you get a good night's sleep and oftentimes that starts as you lie down in bed. I
0: I have been using one of those uh, guided meditations that you sent me dad to uh, make sure I'm I'm getting good sleep. And that's really kind of what gave me the idea of uh, this session, doing the session and sharing this was, I was realizing just how helpful that has been for me to make sure I'm getting enough sleep each night um, and relaxing into sleep every night and a deep restful sleep, which has just been uh, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly helpful. Um, I I do want to transition to some Q&A here. Um, This first one is from an anonymous attendee, and uh, this question is, uh, says, I am, am of course, at home trying to help flatten the pandemic curve, but Mm -hmm. the question is that I have several roommates, which can sometimes cause a lot of anxiety and sometimes stress as is. But with all of us being home during the pandemic, it's hard to uh, stand up to that kind of stress. What are some things that you would recommend to help relieve this stress and anxiety during this time of lockdown?
1: Okay, well, I'm not sure whether this is stress and anxiety just from the uh, increased interaction with roommates or whether it has to do with them not uh, using all the social isolation that you are using. So I'll address both of those. Um, Yes, the simple interaction with other people can be Uh, lessened and relieved by retreating. Uh, Retreating to your room or retreating to the quiet of your own mind. Uh, With closed eyes, using whatever mantra, whether it has meaning to you or not, uh, whatever repeated word or words like calm, uh, peace, or something with no particular meaning. Uh, Some people use the number one, Some people say amen or hallelujah. Whatever word you want to use in the quiet of your own mind, um, do that retreat, in other words. Do a retreat of 10, 15, or 20 minutes. You will find yourself more relaxed, um, less stressed, and mm, more tolerant Of other people.
0: (laughs) That's good advice. Now
1: if you're concerned about their uh, poor social isolation habits outside of your apartment uh, then you need to retreat into a mask and gloves and lots of hand-washing and try to talk some sense into them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice too. Um, our next question is from Serena. Uh, we'll bring Serena on to the show to ask her question here live. I think she's got a, a, a good question here that probably a lot of us have uh, about hypnosis.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, my question is, I've been on these shows before where, you know, there's a hypnotist and they pull people from
2: uh, from the audience and they do the whole thing with the arm and then say the words. Can you explain what is happening there?
1: I think so. Great let question, me, Serena. Let me say, thank you, Serena. I think so. Let me say first that the bell curve of hypnotizability is the bell curve. The people that they want on stage are the people in this tale of highly hypnotizable. Everybody who is interested in uh, being on stage shows up on stage some of them are in the the bigger part of the bell curve and they're not the best uh subjects to have on the stage they're not the best participants to have on stage and some hypnotists winnow them out and send them back to their seats i have had people who've come to me years later after being winnowed out and they said i really don't think i can be hypnotized because the hypnotist sent me back to my seat well he sent you back to your seat because you were in the big part of the bell curve and he wanted the people out here highly suggestible, highly hypnotizable, quickly hypnotizable people so that they would do strange things, cluck like chickens, you know, dance like Elvis and whatever else he wanted them to do. Um, most people can be hypnotized. The people who are out in the other uh, tail of the curve are people who can't follow instructions at all. Uh, just extreme um, OCD, going to be distracted by anything and and cannot follow from one direction to the next. If you can follow directions and close your eyes, uh, you can eventually go into a level of hypnosis that allows you to accomplish things that you can't accomplish with your conscious mind alone. Does that help?
0: so if those um people then that who are highly suggestible and are the ones in the audience raising their hand and coming up on stage i know this isn't what you do and, and that's something you've ever done before no i don't but, do stage hypnosis but can you um can you talk a little bit about what is happening there so they're highly suggestible which means they're able to act does that mean they're able to access their subconscious more quickly um, and drop into that hypnotic state more quickly?
1: Yes, it means actually that throughout their life they are, they are listening at that deeper level um, and taking suggestions uh, from lots of people, uh, from commercials <laughs> and advertising, from propaganda, uh, from their mate and friends. They are not uh, inferior for that, they are simply different and um, out in the tail of the bell curve of hypnotizability and suggestibility.
0: So can you talk a little bit more, um, not talking about stage hypnosis now, um, even more broadly than hypnosis, when we're talking about meditation, when we're talking about tapping into the power of our subconscious, Mm -hmm. what is that difference between conscious and subconscious? And... Why does it seem like the subconscious thing sometimes has a different agenda than this conscious mind?
1: Okay. Uh, Jungian Jungian psychology would say that it's because uh, we are like an iceberg and that the tip that's above the waterline is our consciousness and what's below the waterline is much deeper and broader and actually can tap into a collective unconscious uh, that's species-wide and has thousands of years of history. Okay, but just for the personal subconscious, you were taught things as a child, uh, some of which you learned the way somebody was teaching you and some of which you learned quite the opposite of the way they were teaching you or what they wanted to teach you. We learned all kinds of things when we were little that the positive things have served us well and the negative things have been stumbling blocks to us in what we have wanted for ourselves in terms of health and uh, vitality, self-confidence, creativity. There are all kinds of beliefs we picked up in childhood on purpose or by accident that we hold at the subconscious level, and there is, uh, it's called the critical factor, that is sort of like a guard or a gatekeeper that doesn't, uh, doesn't let us access those beliefs with conscious thought, no matter how much we try. Although affirmations go uh, to, to some extent to help us uh, reverse negative or disempowering thoughts. But with hypnosis, uh, even people in the bulk of the bell curve can relax into a state where that critical factor, that gatekeeper kind of takes a a break and opens the gate and lets us go in and rearrange things at the subconscious level, the personal subconscious level, so that traumatic experiences can be uh, alleviated not by re-experiencing them, but by re-scripting them and making them different than they were.
0: That's really helpful.
1: Is that there more is you want to add to that? I've seen it help a lot of people. It's, yeah. it's a powerful and, and wonderful tool for that very thing. Absolutely.
0: Um, I've got a, a great question here from a parent. Uh, this is Ryan from the Powder Cake team. Let's bring Ryan on the show. Um, although I know his power went out last night. He was sharing in our morning stand-up this morning. Ryan, can you hear us? I see Ryan, but I don't know if we can hear Ryan. How
2: about now? Can you hear me now?
0: Yeah, we can hear you now.
2: Hey, guys. Hi, Ryan. Hey.
0: Ryan, what's your question?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I'd I'd been um, trying to open up my daughter to the idea of meditation over the past few days and weeks, um, um, using an app called calm, um, which is a very, I think good intro for beginners. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you had any suggestions. She's kind of resistant to it. She said, let me meditate in my room by myself in my own way. I was like, okay, that's a start. So I don't (laughs) know if you have someone who's closed off to the idea of meditation. Are there ways to maybe convince them? Are there ways to like, um, I don't know. I've already planted the seed. I'm going to kind of keep, Non-aggressively pushing it on, not pushing it on her, but like, hey, this might help you. I think you have some issues that you're aware of. She's aware she has some anxieties and some fears, um, some mm-hmm. catastrophic thinking. But how can we um, prove to her that there's this? This can help her. I guess.
1: <laughs> hmm. Hmm.
2: Great question, Ryan. Yeah, Dad. Do you have any advice
0: for um, people introducing the idea of meditation uh, to others? Uh, In a way that, um, you know, I I think I I can relate to Ryan's question because I think we probably all have people in our lives who struggle with one thing or another, um, and in general, we want to help them. And if meditation has been helpful to us, we want to share that with them. Uh, Do you have any recommendations for people who want to introduce others to meditation or hypnosis? Can I I do a
1: little uh, back and forth with Ryan? just to find out a little bit more about this? Situation. Sure,
0: I, I think so. If we can bring Ryan back on the show, I think that, uh, sure. yeah,
2: I'm back.
1: Okay, I'm Ryan. Back. Um, how old is your daughter? She's 12. She's 12, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, right yeah, on the edge of rebellion. There is, a,
2: there is a different, a definite um, different, you know, that's a difficult age for sure.
1: It is, um, a, diffi- it is a difficult age um yes it would probably work better if you told her <laughs> told her never not do it Never yeah. to
2: <laughs> i advise you not to do that yeah <laughs>
1: it's dangerous <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so i'm going to give you a, a, an idea for a younger child if there might be some people with younger children out there listening
2: yeah, I have a six-year-old as well. I have a six-year-old boy, so okay. he's, oh, he's more open to ideas.
1: <laughs> yes, 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 okay. Um, find ways that they are already meditating. Find ways that they are already relaxing and focusing. Does your daughter listen to any uh, music, especially music with words? Does she memorize songs that she listens to, do you know? Oh
2: yeah, I'm sure, probably.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, You might ask her to share some of those with you. Um, Maybe her favorite lyrics, you know, or her favorite line or something like that. And uh, suggest that uh, you've probably already introduced, have you introduced her to the idea of a mantra? No okay she's already using mantras this might be the best way to work with a teen or preteen around meditation is to see ways that they are already relaxing and focusing
2: so like getting into the zone on something like drawing
1: or exactly yes 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 and um yeah celebrate how they are already doing that and in that way, maybe and obviously not heavy-handedly, Because <laughs> yeah. um, then you get the you get the reverse effect, the resistance. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Dropping hints here and there, uh, in you know, in the car once once at meals, uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. Awesome. The best Thank I you. got for you, Ryan, right now. But it Good could question. it could be uh, could be the trick.
0: Good question, Ryan. And I appreciate you sharing those ideas, Dad, from someone who has had two 12-year-old daughters (laughs) at one point in time or another.
2: Yeah.
0: Two two different points in time. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, if you have questions, uh, go ahead and drop them down below in the chat. Uh, We'll we'll work to get those answered, but we're coming up here on time. So it looks like we have about five minutes left. If you're still on the call and would like to join for this guided meditation, Dad, can you tell us a little bit about what we're about to do?
1: Okay, let me do a housekeeping thing too. Anybody who wants the 15-minute relaxing into restful sleep meditation, why don't they uh, ask Powderkeg for it? I'll get it to you.
0: Yep, and actually you you said it's just John at Bloomington Hypnosis.
1: John at BloomingtonHypnosis.com. That that works too.
0: We'll send that info in a follow-up email to all guest attendees. Um, as well, so that they can, so you can get in touch and share that sleep hypnosis. Thanks for reminding me about that, because I want to make sure we'll have that as well.
1: Good. So what we'll do here in just a few minutes is a simple progressive relaxation. Um, my voice and your eyes closed, probably, uh, sitting or reclining and relaxing. I'm going to then affirm some of your strengths. Uh, I'm assuming everybody on here is intelligent. I'm going to affirm your intelligence. I assume that everybody on here is uh, compassionate. I'm going to affirm your compassion and things like that. Simple things, your wisdom, your courage and help you see how those things are already active in your life. Uh, I'll be speaking in singular to each person on, on this uh, who stays around to listen to it. It should be very relaxing. And at the end of it, I'll count you up as if coming up from a meditation or a nap. And uh, that's it. So very simple.
0: Sounds good. Let's do it dad whenever you're ready okay
1: sitting comfortably or lying down with your legs uncrossed and your hands at your sides or on your lap but not connected to each other take a deep breath in take a deep conscious breath in hold it for one count and let it go slowly let it go all the way out and you'll naturally take another breath. Let that breath be a conscious breath and take it in. Take it in deeply. Fill your lungs and then let that go slowly and feel the natural relaxation response that comes simply with breathing. Your shoulders may drop a little. Your body relaxes. Continue to breathe consciously deep breaths I want you to take 10 deep breaths. And so begin to count them on your fingers, just pressing lightly down each finger in turn with each breath as I continue to give you direction. At the end of those 10 deep conscious breaths, let your breath go to natural, easy breathing. Unconscious, natural, easy breathing. You can watch your breath if you want to, being that conscious of it. That's okay. As you continue those deep breaths, we're going to do some relaxation of the body. Imagine warm, liquid relaxation, like liquid sunshine pouring down over the top of your head and pouring down the back of your head and neck and into your spine. And down your spine through each vertebra all the way to your tailbone. Think it, imagine it, invite that relaxation and welcome it. Again from the top of your head, let that warm liquid relaxation flow down the sides of your head and neck into your neck and shoulders and from your shoulders into your arms down through your upper arms, elbows and forearms, down into your wrists and hands, all the way to the tips of your fingers and thumbs. Once more from the top of your head, let that warm soft liquid relaxation pour over your face, relaxing the muscles of your forehead, all the muscles around your eyes. Let your nose and cheeks relax, your upper lip and lower jaw, If they haven't already, let your teeth part just slightly. Feel the relaxation that brings to your lower jaw and let it flow over your chin and down the outside of your throat and neck, on down across your chest and abdomen and around the back of you into your back. So that your upper torso now, from your neck to your waist, fills with relaxation. Fills with that liquid relaxation. Every internal muscle, fiber, bone, all to the marrow of your bones, and every internal organ relaxes. See that your heart beats, relaxed. See that your stomach and intestines digest their food and nourish your body, relaxed. And you too can do what you need and want and intend and deserve to do, relaxed. With your upper body relaxed and relaxing still deeper with each breath. Let that warm liquid pour into your lower body, through your hips and buttocks, pelvis and thighs, your knees, your lower legs, and your feet. Massage your feet with your mind now, tops, sides, and the backs of your feet. Massage the bottoms of your feet, heels, arches, insteps, and the balls of your feet, and your toes. Relaxing deeply in body and mind. You are strong. See in your life where your strength shows up. Physical strength and moral strength. See how strong you are. You are intelligent. See how your intelligence shows up in your life and honor that. Honor your creativity and problem-solving ability. Honor your perseverance. Notice it and honor it. And you are compassionate. You care for yourself and you care for others. And that's good for you and that's good for the world. Honor how you do that. Notice it and honor it. And know that it's good. As you relax and find your life to be better, it's not just self-focused. It's not selfish, it's generous. For when you make your life better, you make the world better. And on that positive thought, I'll count you up now. I'll count you up from one to five. When I get to five, you can simply easily open your eyes. Continue to rest until you're ready to do what's next. One. Relaxed and refreshed. Two, coming up. Three, take in a deep breath and blow it out strongly. This is an energy breath. Take it in quickly. Blow it out strongly, like blowing out candles. Four, move your fingers, move your toes a little bit. Now, <clears throat> ready for whatever's next. Open your eyes on five. One, two, three, four, five.
0: Thanks for leading us through that, Dan. And I know you've uh, put together a special um, track that is more of like a 15-minute relaxation um, track specifically for sleep,
1: right? Yes. Yes. You can listen to it with background music or ambient sounds, whatever soothes you, or listen to it all alone. You'll hear it just as you just heard this, just my voice relaxing and helping you relax into a good night's sleep.
0: That's super helpful, Dad. And if people want that, um, they can just email you uh, at john, J-O-H-N, at bloomingtonhypnosis.com. If you're listening, we'll put that in the show notes as well, um, but we won't be publishing this for a week or two. So uh, if you're interested in grabbing that track, um, just put in the title uh, or the subject line, just put uh, sleep, sleep meditation. And, uh, that's, that's one that I know has been super helpful for me. So I encourage anyone who's listening right now to do that. And, um, we'll, we'll follow up with that email and follow up email as well. I'm feeling super relaxed right now, Dan.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Matt. All right. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon.
0: Thank you. Thanks everyone for that extra time and thanks for sticking around. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Also, huge thanks to my dad, John Hunkler from Bloomington Hypnosis. Make sure you go check him out on uh, bloomingtonhypnosis.com. For links to his social profiles and the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkick.com and check out the show notes there. We're gonna be doing a lot more of these, so be sure to check out upcoming live stream versions of the podcast with community Q&A, expert advice and a great way to just connect with others. Uh, it's totally free Go on over to powderkegcom slash events to check out all of those topics and to get registered. And if you're currently in the market for finding a new role and want to be connected with cutting edge companies uh, and just some of the best companies doing remarkable things everywhere, you can join our matches platform completely free at powderkegcom slash jobs. And if you're a company looking to get connected to that talent, it's totally free to get your own culture profile and join a directory of hundreds of other tech companies at powderkeg.com slash sign up. It's totally free to get started and get connected to amazing talent. And to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and tech leaders doing remarkable things outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on the Powderkeg Podcast.